Welcome to the Teachers Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in. In this episode, I interviewed Mel Stanbrook, Chair of Governors at Spilsby Primary Academy, all about their whole school ethos of well-being. With well-being being a hot topic at the moment, and me running a bonus series to raise awareness of my life-work balance campaign, I felt it was important to seek out individuals with experience of implementing measures to improve all things mental health across school. Now you may be thinking, why the Chair of Governors? Well... Mel has been instrumental in delivering and maintaining the programme throughout school. Her career background lent itself beautifully to pushing this forward and she's done so much work on this successfully that she now helps other schools look at ways to improve well-being across the school on a consultancy basis. I asked Mel to give examples of easy and effective ways that we could all improve well-being in our classrooms as a starting point. And I really hope that you can try out some of the techniques that she describes. And coming back to the reason for these bonus episodes about well-being and life-work balance. I'm doing this to raise awareness of the life-work balance campaign that I'm running. I'm aiming to get 20,000 teachers to tell us their life-work balance stories through the survey that we're hosting on our website. It's important to me that we hit that target because I want it to have a significant impact when we officially take it to government and get the report published. I've already been talking to MPs about what we're doing and the important thing for me is that it's independent and funnily enough, it already shows the results that we were expecting, not the deflated results we often see in government surveys where most of us wonder who these 30% of teachers who don't work outside school hours actually are. Please take 15 minutes to complete the survey at classroomsecrets.co.uk forward slash LWB and encourage all your colleagues to do the same. Right, let's get to the interview. Mel, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. That's okay. Um, So obviously at Lead Learn Langs 2019, I've done so many interviews um, today. This is interview number five. Um, when um, I got the timetable through, I was really interested to interview you um, all about well-being in mm-hmm. school. Um, so your talk uh, that you did today, your workshop, was about a whole school well-being ethos. Yeah. Um, and I thought that would be really great to kind of delve into. So I always ask every guest to kind of give me a background of how they got to where they are in terms of the career and things. Um, so do you want to do that so people know why on earth they should listen to Mel? Yeah, okay. So um, I'm a chair of governors at a primary school over in Lincolnshire, um, which is kind of in the category five for DfE, for kind of deprivation levels. Quite a few years ago now, we realised that um, our pupils were kind of struggling uh, with their own mental health. But actually, because of our lack of understanding at the time, um, it was how we can make that better or what it was um, we needed to kind of realize what that was and and kind of dig deep 
into it. So that was the start of our journey, really. Um, so after lots of research and actually asking for help from lots of different people, uh, companies, um, and just saying, what is this? How can we kind of move forward with it? Um, we initially were kind of came up with a few things that maybe some of our pupils are struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, we had children that had um, been referred on from us um, to different agencies, but actually had got nowhere in kind of the further steps. So it was like, how can we help them? Um, So we didn't have to kind of signpost them out. It was how can we help them in-house before signposting them to different agencies? Because actually what we found is when we signposted them to different agencies, they came back kind of lost that they hadn't got any further. Mm -hmm. So then kind of the blame was back onto us. So we reached out to different companies and they kind of said, actually, we can see that you might have issues with these various types of mental health. Um, and at the time, we thought, wow, mental health, that's a bit scary. Um, you know, mm. is, is that something that we want to go down? Um, did we want to like do it? Like a label, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe that was definitely our naivety because actually it's more about that um, social and emotional well-being within schools. So it's actually enabling children to be well. Um, so initially we kind of put workshops in, so um, we kind of said, actually, our children, we believe we've got so many children with anxiety, right, okay, let's do a whole school workshop, let's do that, let's go for it. Um, so we did that, um, and we then thought, actually, do you know what, we'll get some counsellors in, um, and so we'll do that, and, and then it was like, oh, well, actually, maybe we ought to train some staff to become uh, counsellors. Um, and so it was like, oh, okay, so the penny was dropping. And then it was like, oh, actually, so that child who's been to counselling is now discussing with other children what, what their problems were or what they were struggling with. And it was, it was very much, we're very high on pupil voice in our school, so pupil voice is a real strength. Um, so actually our pupils were going to other pupils and saying, this is what I'm doing. And the other pupils were saying, oh, I don't know what it is, or, oh, I feel that as well. So then it was like, right, okay. Let's do this. Let's go with it. Um, so let's be open and honest with everybody. Um, before we'd got there, we'd gone to the parents as well. So we approached the parents and said, this is what we're going to do. This is kind of the, the pathway we're going down. We want to kind of open up that language about mental health. Uh, we wanted to have those open conversations at home and at school. Um, so we did that open door policy. And we said to the parents, just come and speak to us. Mm. If there's anything that you think that is happening, come and talk to us. Um, So with specialists um, and people in school, we were kind of dripping that in. Um, So it was that, in actual fact, it worked out to that normalising emotional language. Mm. And that is probably our biggest strength. So from there, it's like, okay, how else can we do this? And how else can we fit it? And how else, you know, do we do that? And so we have kind of classroom activities every week, um, all about mental health. Um, so, um, and it's kind of that yoga, it's that mindfulness, it's that um, embedding that language. We have assemblies every single week where we talk about different emotions. Um, initially, um, our children worked in happy and sad, which is what happens in primary schools. I think it's how do you feel happy? How do you feel sad? Um, and it was that, okay, we need more than that. Mm. So we started doing, and it was subconsciously really, we started doing assemblies where you learn about a different emotion every week. Mm-hmm. Um, using props, using things that we'd kind of brought in. 
Um, and so some weeks they would learn about anger. Some weeks they would learn what joy was, um, you know, different emotions that wouldn't normally come out in the lessons. And then all of a sudden visitors were coming in and saying, oh, how do you feel today? And a child was saying, or in their writing, they were saying, I was so excited or I was joyous or I was... And visitors were saying, what was that language from, you know, a year one pupil? Yeah. You know, I didn't get happy. I normally get happy. And it was like, no, because it's more than happy. And the children were able to explain that. So once we normalise that emotional language, what we have found is everything else has come along so easily. Um, And so all our workshops, the children will do workshops. um, And so they speak about um, all different different types of mental health really um, we had visitors in not not that long ago actually and all the children were doing a grief and loss um, mm-hmm. workshop mm-hmm. and actually the visitor challenged us and said you're a primary school uh, key stage one and key stage two learning about grief and loss is that is that not quite sad um, you know is that quite depressing do you, does you think that causes problems and we were like no because actually what it does is it it provides understanding um, and it was about teaching those children that actually grief and loss isn't just when somebody dies. It could be when you lose something. It could yeah. be the loss of a relationship. It could yeah. be the breakdown of a kind of a home life. Um, and it was about discussing that. And when the visitor went in, one of our students um, shared um, kind of who they were living with. And, and they were sad about living with different people than they had been living with. Yeah. And they had that open and honest conversation with a visitor, so just yeah. somebody that had kind of walked on for a walk around the class. Also, I think I think it's unfair to to be so judgmental and, and yeah. say, well, actually, primary school children haven't experienced any grief or loss because do you know what a lot of primary yeah. children have. Um, and even if it's just losing a pet, I remember losing my first pet. I was fourteen, and honestly, the grief I felt yeah. was was really strong in comparison to. I think by the time I was fourteen, we'd had a lot of older like you know aunties that are not really aunties but really yeah. close um but i remember feeling slightly more grief than than for some of them because i lived with my cat yeah um and i think it's 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 a part of life and sometimes at three year old you experience grief and loss and that's before you start school so. yeah and i think um i think there's a lot to be said about children go to their favorite teddy they go to their dog their cat their rabbit and actually if they have got those worries and we do simplify it for primary school mm-hmm. so it is those worries it's those butterflies in your tummy it's mm-hmm. those you know those sweaty palms it's that stopping yeah. and thinking and breathing um and being able to kind of think about what you can see and feel and actually if that child has gone home with some worries and they've been discussing it with a cat or a dog and then all of a sudden the family pet does die it's it's knowing what those feelings are yeah. it's knowing actually do you know what? I'm really sad because actually that's happened and and who else do I need to speak to because it's about rebuilding another relationship and, yes. and understanding what's happened instead of feeling an overwhelming sadness mm-hmm. which then can affect their school life their home life their friends it's a it's about giving them the knowledge to say actually I'm sad because this has happened and actually, so I need to talk to somebody about it rather than making the worry really, really big. So, so yeah, so we've been on a very long journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am still chair of governors kind of at the school. Um, and kind of through that, we've really, myself and the head teacher do kind of talk about whole school mental health ethos and how important it is. Um, when we first started, we put in, so all our children, when they walk into school, they own their emotion. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they walk in the class and they have emotional circles on the door and a child can say, I feel this today. And they will put a peg on whatever they're feeling. So apart from anything else, um, grown-ups to the class or adults to the class can walk in and immediately go, okay, I have four angry children today. I have four tired children. I have, you know, six happy children. I have seven excited children. And it's about knowing what the makeup is. Mm. But what we found is the teachers started owning their emotions as well. So they started kind of saying, actually, do you know what? I feel this. But then it gave that empathy. So the children were saying to the teachers, oh, why do you feel like that? You know, and how are you feeling? And Mm. how are you feeling now? And has your emotion changed throughout the day? So the language just changed around school. Mm. So children came to see us. But they were also saying to their parents, could it be this? Could it be that? And parents were coming into us or actually going to our social media and saying, I know that I have mental health issues Mm. or I know I've got issues with this because my child has come home and taught me about it or told me about what they've been learning. Which is amazing. So, which was just, and it changed our... It changed our whole ethos, if you like. It changed our whole culture in school. I guess it really is helping children to be really empathetic by showing them that that they have these different emotions, but also that, you know, adults have them too and and it's still going to be around, you know, it's not going to go away. And I just wanted to pick up on one of the points that you made that actually, you know, you're not really sending them out now uh, where you can to services, but you're kind of dealing with it in-house. Do you feel as a school kind of makes you more knowledgeable because sometimes they go out and the school doesn't find out the information that that it needs to know to actually deal with, um, you know, whatever problem it is effectively. Yeah, and actually we have found that disclosures have gone up. So obviously because people are coming to us and sharing what their worries are, but we, and we have been lucky enough, we have a, um, a staff that is designated to pastoral welfare, mm-hmm. um, so family welfare officer, and we have a SENCO, so designated SENCO, who neither of those teach, so they are um, in school all the time. Um, and it's made our knowledge better. So where initially we were kind of scratching our heads or getting those agencies in and saying, I'm not really sure what it is, what we're able to do is get in at a lower level. So as soon as we recognise it, because we've got those recognising symptoms and Mm -hmm. skills and strategies in place, we're we're immediately being highlighted and this is what we need to do. And so you are kind of speaking to the governors or speaking to teachers or speaking to other teachers and saying, actually, do you know what? I've seen this because of my training. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Let's get those kind of lower levels in. The challenge I always get back is, um, well, actually, what's it doing for behaviour? What's it doing for um, academic results? Well, actually, since putting in kind of mental health learning and emotional well-being learning, our um, behaviour data has gone down. So mm-hmm. actually, we're getting less incidents of kind of what we would categorically call kind of bad behaviour in school, I suppose, mm-hmm. in kind of old terms. Perhaps because they feel understood. Yeah, absolutely. And... And actually, we're able to say, actually, that's not bad behavior. That's because that child is managing those emotions. Yeah. Um, They're also catching that. it early, I guess, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Before it gets out of control. Yeah. And that's really key. It, it is that. And I would say the extra CPD and all the extra support and all the extra learning that we've had, is, it's that early, catching it early and getting it sorted before it escalates. Whereas before, we were going in when it was kind of at a really high level rather yeah. than a low level. 
So you mentioned about uh, normalising emotional language. Yeah. So if your teacher's listening now, um, and obviously they might not be able to do it on a whole school level, but yeah. how could they normalise emotional language in, in their classrooms? So what we did is we did that um, every week. We had um, a lesson. In actual fact, we do assemblies every single Monday. And within our assembly, uh, we go over an emotion. Now, obviously, we have uh, moved on. We've been doing this a long while. So we do that assembly. And in each assembly on the Monday, the head teacher will, will pick an emotion at random. And he will discuss what that emotion is, what it means, what it does. Um, and then our year six, for example, would immediately put that emotion that they've learned in assembly on their emotional circle. So the year six emotion circle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, the other classes will pick their own emotions. So obviously with different, different levels as you go, because our reception children do it as well as our year sixes. Mm -hmm. So that language has to change as you yeah. go up to year six. It's different for the kind of little ones and then the older ones. So it's about that drip feeding it, doing something every week. You don't have to learn a whole, a whole plethora of emotions in the first week you do it. It's learning one and knowing what it is. Um, we do a lot of reading for mental health, um, a lot of kind of use of music, so we're a very musical school. Uh, so we've learned about emotions within kind of musical songs. Um, within our kind of reading lessons, we will quite often do um, read a book that is all about emotions. So especially in Key Stage 1, those books kind of called feelings. And so you go through those feelings, but actually how it makes you feel. You know, do you feel like you're like jumping up and down or do you feel really, really sad and you know, like it's raining all the time or, you know, like it's all grey. So we would do that. So it's that weekly input of a different emotion every single week and then just reflecting on that emotion and also kind of checking circles as well. When we get braver and when you get braver mm -hmm. in your classroom, it's been able to be brave enough to kind of sit your children around in circles, which Key Stage 1 do really well. Yeah. It sometimes gets really lost in Key Stage 2. Mm -hmm. But it, if they've got that emotional language, it, it's sitting down for a couple of minutes at the beginning of the day and saying, OK, how is everybody? Or the beginning of the week or the end of the week. Yeah. How is everybody? How does that feel? You know, and actually what you Being can do is to that, I guess. absolutely. And actually children might not be able to understand emotion. So you could always say, how does that feel if it was a colour? You know, does it feel like a red angry colour or, you know, or a different colour? Is it all pink and fluffy? You know, is it all like, you know, is it like unicorn and clouds? And, yeah. you know, is it that colour? Is it that you know, because actually, regardless of whether they remember, it is joy, it is um, anger, you know, it is overwhelmed. Um, it's, it's about knowing how that feels in your tummy. And that's really something that we push through with the primary school children. How does that feel in your tummy? Yeah. You know, how does it make you feel? Yeah, because do you know why? It is a physical reaction, yeah. isn't it, really? Um, especially when, you know, the emotions are deep. Yeah. Um, it really is. Okay, so what does the training um, for this look like for teachers in your school then? So um, we do CPD from, we bought it in actually from a company called Supporting Minds in Lincolnshire um, who came in and did kind of that basic mental health language um, and those basic mental health issues and covered that variety of what to look out for, so signs and symptoms really. But with the emotional language, it was very, very simple. It was like... Let's have a look at each emotion. Let's have a look at it. Let's have a read about it and then do it. So although we've had kind of staff trainings, although we've had extra CPD, we've had extra kind of um, staff training, kind of after school, kind of twilight sessions, but also in kind of whole day, inset days, 
Um, I would say to any school, you know, you don't always need people to come in and give you that whole emotional language training. It's about just just going starting. for it, starting. And actually, because I think as well as adults, do we all know what emotions mean? Mm. You know, we don't always know. You know, if we want to research something, we would open a book and have a look to find what it is. It's not any different. And actually, there's loads and loads of books out there. So it's just, it's about getting that into your school. So yes, we did lots of training, but actually, it's about getting it in schools, getting that language into schools, and just working with it. Mm. So, yeah. Thank you. So obviously, um, your talk was about whole school ethos. We talked a lot about the children. Um, So what about the teachers, the adults? Okay, so initially we put lots of CPD in, obviously we are years down, so that CPD was really important. So how many years have you been doing it? Uh, We've been doing it, I would say about five years, but I would say properly for kind of four years. So five years was initially, you know, oh, what is this? What can we do? But four years probably, you know, really sticking to our guns and really kind of concentrating on it. Even more so in the last two years, we've really, just because we've got better at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've just introduced, so we do lots of, in our teacher training, they will do games and they'll win prizes and they will get mental health um, prizes. So things like something that will help your mental health. So books, self-esteem, um, self-esteem cards, those sorts of kind of self-care, really. Self-care has been massive, really, to kind of within our teachers. What do you do for self-care? We have kind of a staff wellbeing board within the staff room, which I think a lot of staff rooms tend to do. But it just goes a little bit further. It's those tips and tricks and how we can look after ourselves and how we can do it. We do kind of check in, so saying hello to staff, saying goodbye to staff. Um, it's amazing how many staff kind of slip off and, and, and leave the school without kind of saying goodbye to people. Mm-hmm. We do try to kind of um, encourage that staff room kind of meetings, those meet and greets, those getting together. Um, because people get so disjointed and busy throughout the day. And when we, we do five ways to well-being with the children, so it's the same with our staff. So have you connected with somebody today? Mm-hmm. You know, have you actually had a chance to sit down and eat your dinner you know, have you had time to kind of breathe? Uh, we've also just introduced a, well, not just introduced, last year we do a staff wellbeing day. So um, over and above kind of within their school year, so between January and December, all staff who work over 10 hours get the, that staff wellbeing day. So they can take a day off um, so they can go and celebrate their birthday. They can go and go to a spa day or spend that's the really day good. with their partner. Part-time is the most important thing that teachers yeah. need. And actually what you find is teachers race through the term, then they go into their school holidays, um, you know, and actually their family are at home, you know, maybe their partner and their family, and then life carries on, doesn't it? And they're still planning for the next yeah, half term as well. Absolutely. And catching up. Yeah, and so what we're finding is with the wellbeing day, um, actually our teachers are kind of saying, I've gone to a spa day with my partner today, or actually it's my birthday, it's a Wednesday, but I've yeah. taken it off and I've gone out for dinner. Yeah. You know, all schools are here. And actually what, what, we've, what we've had is uh, teachers have just said, it's just lovely not to set the alarm on that day and just go out for lunch when yeah. I would normally be at school. Yeah. And doing that. So, yeah, really, really good for well-being. And I would say that's probably the, the best thing, the biggest boost that the they've kind of had. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that because but, one, thing that, one thing that stresses me out slightly yeah. is when I hear, um, like, oh, we do a yoga session after school. And, and as much as that might be okay, yeah. it, it's time, I think, that teachers really need. 
Um, what about um, the other sort of aspects? I mean, do you kind of keep a track of workload um, and like how long teachers are staying at school? Because it's all right saying, you know, have you sat down and eaten your lunch? Um, as opposed, I guess, to marking in the classroom. But then when is that marking being done? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't be able to cover it totally, that answer. Um, but I would say a lot of our teachers are aware. We, we check in with them. If they're there too late, we will definitely kind of say, oh, you know, what are you doing? Can anybody help? But what's happened is it's brought about this ethos where everybody is looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. So we we seem to have lost that a little bit. We seem to have... Because we've we've really have been on a journey, you don't really get that. And actually, we don't do the after school sessions for teachers at yoga because actually, if they want to go home, they can go home. If yes. they want to have dinner, they can go and have dinner. Yes. Um, but what we have found, and actually, all children, all teachers were given a challenge: so do something in your class that's different. You don't have to do different from an, another person, but something for well-being in your class. Mm-hmm. So, so a few teachers went for yoga, so they all do yoga with their students. Some teachers went for mindfulness, kindness slips, all the emotion circles. We said to the teachers, we never said to the teachers they had to do that. They didn't have to join in. What we find is all our teachers actually do that with the children. Yeah. So, so they do the yoga. They yeah. do the emotion circles. They, you know, they join in with kind of the well-being activities. They join in with the mindfulness colouring. Um, and actually they, they kind of, so they are getting their well-being throughout the day as well with, with their children. With the children. Yeah. yeah so it, it's been really nice. And actually we just all look out for each other mm-hmm. and we all know we have a better understanding because at staff trainings, what we do is we do, um, getting to know you exercises. Um, we all work in, uh, locations where we don't know the people we work with. We might know that they turn up at eight and they go home at five and yeah. they drive a Very red car. Very role, isn't it? Absolutely. And so we do these, what's your favorite dinner? What's your favorite holiday? What's your favorite book? So it's those getting to know and actually finding those connections. Yeah. So then when you're out of that kind of area and that kind of, um, location, you can say, oh, well, I read this. Common ground. You know, you would like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's Getting just gone people. up. And I think you're yeah. right. I remember being a secondary school teacher. Um, I was actually quite a bit younger than any other member of staff because they hadn't had an NAQT for like five years or something because the school wasn't allowed because yeah. um, they'd been in special measures. Um, and, and I remember feeling quite lonely in the staff room. The, you know, nobody wanted to be my friend, as it were. Yeah. And I certainly never made any friends there. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's a good thing, really. Um, because I do think it can be lonely if you haven't made those connections. Yeah. Um, so what what's different about your school then on a day-to-day basis? It's just lovely. <laughs> <laughs> can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, kindness. Um, lots of different schools do kindness, um, but really it's kind of embedded in the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, we have benches where children can sit if they're feeling lonely. Another child will never leave a child on that bench. Um, they will always go in and say, right, okay, do you want a friend? Do you want to do something? Um, they genuinely, pupil voice, I think I've said already, massive strength in our school um, through the mental health language, actually, that really has kind of come on leaps and bounds. We've given the power to the children. Mm. And actually what they've said, they then feel that they are respected and they are wanted and their voice is heard. So what we find is children are very honest. They always ask for a swimming pool. Um, it's the only thing they've not got that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah they have and it's it's it is just lovely it's that it's that sharing um culture and actually I would like to say that 
I would say probably 100% of our students go home and they, they've, they've all spoken to somebody. They've, mm. they've all done something. They've all made those connections throughout the day. Um, and actually, if somebody is sad in the class, the other students pick up on it immediately. Yeah. So they're not allowed, well, they are allowed, but they, they don't kind of be sad all day yeah. because actually if the teacher hasn't picked up on it, definitely one of their somebody peers has picked well. it up and said, okay, oh, how are you feeling? Or let's go and do this. Or can I get you this? Um, yeah. And that's just a lovely culture to, to yeah. be around really and nice. to be surrounded in. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you've mentioned about um, owning um, emotions. So yeah. when they come in, they, they choose an emotion and, and they, they peg on it. What, what's the follow-up um, on that then? So sometimes it's just a case of being aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is that, are you okay? You know, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to speak about it? Um, our family welfare officer, very much open door policy. So the children will refer into themselves. So, so it's not, you don't have to wait to be an adult to refer a child in. A child will take themselves off to see her, to say, actually, do you know what? I'm having a really rubbish day. Um, so if the child has put their peg on anger or, or angry, um, but then doesn't um, facilitate those conversations or doesn't um, ask for help or doesn't kind of find themselves off, what we would probably do is you would say to the family welfare officer, well, actually, um, this child has come in today and put it on the circle. They don't want to talk about it. Do you want to have a chat with them? Yeah. So we would kind of put those interventions in. But what we are finding is the children actually come and talk to you before we get to that point where you've kind of got to do something about yeah. it. Um, that definitely wouldn't have happened four years ago. That is because we, we have been... This culture now. Yeah, it is just the culture of our school. So And can they... So say if they come in in the morning and, and they are angry and mm-hmm. they put the peg on and then and then they go talk to the education welfare officer can they come back and then move yeah we we find that they move them throughout the day yeah so they'll they'll maybe have and they'll go out at break and maybe something that would happen to them that that, that would make them feel sad so then they can move their peg um or they they might find that they came in happy but then actually something happened at the break which was really exciting. So then they would kind of move their peg on to, I'm really excited. I can see how it would be really yeah. empowering for a child in a class of 30 to, to feel that their teacher knew how they were feeling yeah. um, when they're not given the opportunity to say, I can definitely yeah. see why that would be appealing, especially if you're a quiet child and you don't yeah. um, express the way you feel. Yeah. If you can you know, change depending on how you're feeling and knowing that your teacher's going to know that. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful tool. And it is. It's just like, yeah, I feel this. And actually, it's about, you know, there's so much pressure. You know, children come in um, and they might have done some amazing stuff at the weekend or they might have done some something that's really upset them at the weekend. Mm. And actually, they might not be ready to talk about it. But actually, by putting that peg on something... It will encourage that conversation. So either the conversation to say, yay, I did this. I went and did this. It was amazing. And I just want to kind of get it out there. Or actually, they're so sad that they just want to be asked that question. Yeah. Because some children might come in and because they're sad, they might not speak to yeah. one of their peers. They might not speak to their teacher. You know, yeah. they, might, they might not be even brave enough yet to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So by being able to own that, it starts, opens those conversations to say, actually, are you okay? Yeah, uh, I love that. Thank you. Um, so you've, you've mentioned as well about, about parents and parents yeah. saying, actually, because my child's taught me this, this has 
um, how I'm feeling yeah. or this is what I've realised about myself. You know, do you have a specific um, kind of programme you run for parents or...? So we... It's actually been referred through to on Facebook. So um, at the same sort of time that we did the mental health learning, um, we decided that actually a lot of our parents are on social media. Um, there is sometimes a negative view of schools being on social media or not being on social media, uh, but we decided to embrace it. So as a school, we said, let's go thing. for it. Let's go for it. So we did Twitter, Facebook, um, and over the last two years, we've done Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really reached out to our parents and said, okay, right, this is, this is what we're doing. We're, we're open door, we're open policy, you know, come and have a chat with us. Um, we do Cornerstones curriculum, so we do wow events um, for every single term um, and parents' evenings, all the normal things. Um, we also do kind of designated sessions. Um, now, when you do a designated learning session, the parents don't always come and get involved because they, and our parents have kind of said, actually, um, that might overwhelm me or that might be too much for kind of me to take on but they absolutely love being involved in their children's learning so to come along and get involved in those kind of crafts and those drawings and seeing what the learning has, has happened has mm. been brilliant and that's all fed through the social media so what we found is actually they weren't coming to us in secret they were putting on Facebook actually do you know what my child has come home and expressed this or shown me this actually I think I've got these issues or I think I'm going to go to the doctor and see if I can get help with this and it was out loud on Facebook where you know they say that kind of mental health language and kind of mental health is so hidden and we need to kind of get it out there mm. what we were finding is because the social media was so engaging and, and everybody was going to social media people were referring in their children as well they were saying oh I think this child I think my child is a little bit sad and so we were picking up that as well yeah um and what they were saying is that they were saying on Facebook, actually, um, because of what's happened at school, I've now gone to the doctors and I've, I've got this sorted or I've, I've got this sorted for my child. And mm-hmm. actually, our home life is so, is so much better because of this or because of what, what they've been taught. So we found it wasn't hidden. It was very out there. Of course, we get the parents that do walk in and actually tell us um, in secret but then again, they, they put it on social media to say we've had a really good experience. So yeah. our parent engagement has, has gone up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really amazing. Good. And who looks after sort of the, the social media side? So it's myself and the head teacher. So, right. yeah, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so it's an extra job, I suppose, for myself and the head. Um, we kind of oversee everything. So you've got kind of the website, um, Twitter, uh, Facebook and Instagram so Mm -hmm. we've got kind of those four mediums that you can kind of link into um but actually it's about our own mental health as well it's Mm -hmm. about myself and the head teacher being able to protect ourselves so it's very much those boundaries we have to be careful of those boundaries um you know answering messages at different times of the night sometimes you have to sometimes think oh no not today um so uh, the, the parents do genuinely feel that we will kind of approach them and we'll contact them you know if they hear something sometimes I will say just pop to the office in the morning yeah um because actually it's that routine it's those boundaries as well it's been able to think okay because sometimes it's so overwhelming isn't it I need I need to put it out there yeah and actually just saying I'll just pop in in the morning and we'll have a chat about it um so yeah we don't shy away from anything we we do answer everything um and we just go for it really we open door policy is totally our thing really we do kind of say just come in and chat to us if you're worried good and that's Uh, and that's all they need is yeah. some type of chat. 
Um, okay, so when we had a chat earlier, you talked to me about configurations of self. What is that? Okay, so it's um, a theory by David Mearns, which is a kind of person-centered therapy. Um, but we did it within, I've done it within my counseling course, actually, with Supportive Minds. Um, but we did it with our teachers. And it's just that really interesting theory that actually, as a person, you come in with um, lots of different dialogues of self. So actually, all of us will have a really happy self and we might have a really sad self and we might have, you know, a different, like an anxious self. I always say I'm, I'm a mummy character and then I'm a, you know, a blue sky thinker character and then, you know, my professional head. But, and it's about knowing that if you come in uh, really excited, oh, I'm so excited, I've had an amazing weekend, it's brilliant, um, and actually, you've got another child in your class that's actually come in with their sad self. That, you know, that actually, as they woke up that morning, you know, no matter what has gone on, they just feel a little bit sad. It's about knowing how you will interact with each other. Mm. Because actually, my happy, jubilant self probably is not going to be right for that child. Yeah. Because actually, it's, it's how they're coming in and how they're coming at it. But it's also, it goes on to... If two of our dialogues of self are kind of working together, um, it's about knowing that actually they might not. We might clash with ourselves as well. So we might be up and down one minute. Mm. So we did this with all our teachers as well. And it, it, was, a, it was a genuine overview, really. Um, but it was just that um, this is what could be happening. Yeah. When you come into a classroom, what do you bring? Which character do you bring into the classroom? And actually, it helps because... If, if that teacher is really excited, they can put, I'm really excited because, you know. Yeah. And actually, it helps pupils get involved in their lives as well. It's, it mm -hmm. kind of, it's still that pupil and child, that pupil and teacher relationship, mm -hmm. but it's, it's knowing a little bit about each other. Yeah. And it's kind of saying, you know, this is what's happened. Wow, thank you. Yeah. Um, so what could teachers do then to, to just gen... Uh, generally improve the well-being in their classrooms emotions all the way I would say immediately if you are going to say let's let's look at something straight away it's that emotional awareness um, normalizing that emotional language and actually learning what emotions are um, and actually getting those conversations out there from your children so yeah. getting them to be able to say I am this start talking about yeah. it own, just really owning their emotions. So the teachers owning their emotions and the pupils owning their emotions. Cool, thank you. Right, um, so I'm gonna ask you just a few more questions. Um, who was your favorite teacher and why? Who was my favorite? My drama teacher at secondary school. Mm -hmm. um, just awesome. I love drama anyway, drama, theater, theater arts, anything like that. So yeah, drama teacher at secondary school. Okay. Um, where do you think well-being in education needs to go in the next 10 years? So on the new RSE curriculum, um, it talks about emotional language throughout kind of key stage one right up to kind of key stage four. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that um, a document that has come from the government wants us to say, actually, what makes a relationship healthy? Mm -hmm. What makes an emotion? What is that emotion? And how does that manifest in your day-to-day -day life? So... Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about the, the upcoming kind of RSE curriculum and how it's asking people to um, step outside and actually learn what those emotions are. 
Yeah, and what I love about what you've said about it, just just listening to you talk, then I'm thinking, yeah, I'd have to go away and research that <laughs> and, and work that out. Um, but on what you say it is, yes, you need to learn that yeah. because actually we don't really know the answers. Um, we need to go figure it out yeah. and, and learn that from somebody. And actually, sometimes you wake up and you're really sad. And yeah. you are, and there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. You know, or you're really anxious. You know, you could be going out um, and you've been excited about it for ages mm. and then you're getting ready and all of a sudden you're anxious. And I think sometimes it gives you so much power to be able to know what that is, mm. to then be able to say, okay, I need to be brave and step over it. Or actually, do I just need to put my pyjamas on and have some chocolate? Because actually that's what Sounds I need like right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, I guess, especially from a, well, even from a teacher's point of view as well as a child's point of view, knowing that they're going to a place where it's okay to say how they feel yeah. um, and they can't, they can't get in trouble for it, I yeah. guess, um, you know, for being angry um, and knowing that people will, will give them a little allowance yeah. for that, I guess. What we find, though, is actually those children that are coming in angry they um, will do some of the grounding techniques that they've been taught in the workshops mm-hmm. or that are on the walls. So, so where before they would say, I'm angry, I'm really, really angry, I'm going to go and be angry in this class, angry at lunch, angry on the plate time, and then it just kind of goes, what we find is the children come in, they go, do you know what, I'm angry, I am angry, this is anger, and I'm angry because of this. So that kind of catalogue event, so this has made me angry. So actually... When I was doing this, or when I did that workshop, I learned about those, and actually they're stuck on that wall in school, mm. um, you know, on that tree, or on the listening tree, or on the tips tree, or on the grounding door. So it's about saying, I need to go and do that. And actually, sometimes you will find children just standing there going, right, okay, I need to think of five things that I can smell, and two things that I can feel. So I am imagining touching my teddy bear, and I'm imagining picking up a strawberry. And so it's been able to um, bring themselves down out of that mm. kind of um, emotion if they want to, of course. Yeah, so that um, sounds all really interesting. Yeah. Grounding door and, and all these things you can feel. Yeah, we have, um, so around school, um, we have um, tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. So every time they do a workshop, they do a, um, because obviously the workshops are every term. So obviously a, a term lasts quite a long time, especially in a primary school student. Um, so they might learn about sleep in term one. Um, so they will learn all about tips and techniques of sleep. So they will put that on a listening tree, which mm-hmm. is in the front foyer. Um, so you can, um, if you are struggling with sleep in a couple of months, you can go back to the listening tree and say, okay, what did we learn in that workshop? Oh yeah, brilliant, that's, that's fab, we can sort that out. Or we have um, five ways to well-being. So you can get, and it's, it's stuck up in three places in school, actually. So you can say, okay, have I connected with somebody? Yeah, okay. I have I've spoken to somebody, so it's not that. Okay, have I been mindful? Have I really thought about it? Have I had a bit of fresh air? Have I learned anything? You know, and it's that, what have I done today mm. for my well-being? Okay, right, I've got that down. Okay, it might just be this. So then you can do the... Um, and I forget what order it is, but you can, it's about how you can stop um, and you can think about five things that you can hear or um, 
four, three, two, one, um, and you can imagine tasting something or imagine smelling something or imagine touching your favourite things um, or imagine hearing something. Or actually, for that child that's really, really anxious or really, really angry, it might just be about closing your eyes um, and then listening to what's going on. Okay, I can hear the dinner ladies brushing the hall. I can hear, you know, the um, front office on their computer. I can hear the photocopier going. And it actually brings them down. It, it helps like to calm them down. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so all our children do breathing. They're, they're happy doing that kind of in and out breathing, that kind of big belly breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually the grounding really helps them to refocus and to just say, right, what can I hear? Mm-hmm. Right, okay, what can I see? Okay, right, I've got to be able to see three things because I might be so angry it's that reminder. Okay, look for three things that you really like. Okay, yeah. right, there's glitter, there's a, there's a red colour and there's a blue chair. Okay, so it's just about bringing them out of that zone. Yeah, I love that. that they love the techniques. Yeah. Um, so who was your inspiration within education? When I was little. No, who, who was your inspiration within education now? Like, who inspires you? So obviously I'm a chair of governors. Um, so my um, I'm not from an education background. So I I actually did uh, teacher training at um, for my work experience. I wanted to be a teacher, and then I went a different way. Um, and then I got into school, and actually the teachers inspired me. Um, the teachers in my school um, inspired me, and actually the pupils inspired me. Um, so I do lots of different um, engagement sessions with children now, actually, all over the county. Um, and really, it's because of working with the children at my own school, at Spilsby, and yeah. thinking, wow, you're proper awesome. Yeah. Um, and actually, what you're telling me is so much better than what... And that's what I always say to them, you have such better ideas than me. Mm-hmm. So I would say the pupils inspire me, but also the staff at Spilsby. Yeah, brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Um, and lastly, what did you want to be when you grew up then? When I grew up, I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> On the so West End I. stage. So I, yeah, West End stage, singing and dancing. <laughs> I still love musical theatre now. That's all I listen to. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so do I. So do I. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting. Um, I think that there's some great information that uh, the teachers are going to be able to take away and try in their classrooms. Um, and hopefully if they've, if they've really sort of just got hold of something, then, then they'll be in touch with you. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very thank much. much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really loved the idea that children could know that the adults in their classroom would know how they were feeling. As a child at school, I was never one to make much of a fuss or open up to the teacher and I know this would have made me feel powerful if I was sad or even ecstatic because of an achievement at the weekend. He or she could have asked me why. We all know that sometimes the quiet, well-behaved, middle-of-the-road children can sometimes be overlooked. And as much as this technique is powerful for everyone, it made me feel most positive for that particular group of children. You'll find everything that Mel talked about in the show notes. Let me know who else you'd like to hear from and what you'd like me to ask them. If it's the first time that you're listening to the Teacher's Podcast, then check out our other episodes for some more great listens. And we've been busy securing some more fantastic guests for you. And if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then just let us know in the Facebook group called 
the Teachers Podcast community. This episode is now live on YouTube, so don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And did you love this episode? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.